0: Welcome to Between the Waves, the podcast all about how to create sustainable mental health to help you find a little bit of space between your waves. Hi everyone, I'm here with another episode in series two and today I'm joined by Jacqueline Rogerson. Jacqueline is a glass half full kind of girl who lives in Nottingham. She loves writing and is a published author of two books with loads of awesome five star reviews I might add. When she isn't writing, Jacqueline is always being creative, as well as spending time with her soulmate Bruce, maybe singing, dancing, or being a bit silly. She's also a full-time carer to her son in his 20s. Jacqueline is currently building her coaching practice while learning new tools such as um, emotional freedom technique, the tapping. Her mission is to help others see that they always have a choice. There's always a light at the end of the tunnel, no matter what challenges they face. Hi Jacqueline, how are you? Hello, I'm really well, thank you. Good. I love your mission. That is absolutely <laughs> brilliant.
1: <laughs> it was the overarching message in my first book. I didn't plan it at the time, but when I looked back, I thought, you know, that's, it's, that's how I've always operated. That's it. That's how I've always done things, definitely.
0: Oh, and it's fantastic. And it's so difficult sometimes to remember that there's a light and that you have a choice. Mm. Especially yeah. when you're struggling with your mental health or you've got yes. loads of hard stuff going on, you know, and to have that consistent reminder is really important. Well, life can be very tough, can't it? You know, it,
1: I mean, well, this year has definitely taught us that.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, just before we dive into more in-depth questions, I just yeah. want to ask you about your coaching practice and yeah. the emotional freedom technique. Do you weave the two together? So as part of a coaching session, you might do some tapping. So at the moment, I am
1: right at the very beginning of working out what my coaching practice looks like.
0: So I'm doing
1: more in terms of reaching out to people if um, they just want somebody to listen to them, because I've always been a very good listener. And so the EFT is um, something that I found immense relief from using certainly in recent months it's something that I only rediscovered quite recently and I just thought I think this tool needs to be um more widely available and so that is basically my intention yes is to use that as part of my toolkit to help people um kind of find their way back a little bit and clear away the fog and um, because I think that that's something that often adds to anxiety and difficult phases when you, you almost can't see the wood for the trees because there's so much leftover stuff floating around yeah. and I think tapping is a really really good tool to um, clear some of that away.
0: Yeah I, I really I spoke to somebody else a while ago about about tapping on the podcast and since then I've done a bit more kind of research about it and ah. and the, the way that it can clear your energy and just sort of almost reset where you where you are and and like you say clear out some of that noise and some of the lingering stuff that's hanging on it's really fascinating
1: it's magical it's an almost instant shift
0: that you notice
1: um the first session I did was earlier this year um one of the uh, coaches that I well she's more of a coach she's a well-known um author as well and she gave a free tapping session just, you know, to help relieve the anxiety of what was going on in the world. And I literally just did this one session and thought, I need this in my life. And it was honestly, it was that instant. It was incredible. Really, isn't really it, powerful stuff.
0: Isn't it fabulous when we find oh. something like that that works for us? It's, yeah. You know, it c- it can be difficult to find. You can have to try a lot of different techniques and a lot of different styles of, of sort of either meditation or you know all the different things that you can try yeah but when you find something that works isn't it amazing it's it's
1: yeah so freeing. yeah
0: <laughs> yeah oh absolutely so how did your journey with mental health start are you able to kind of give us a bit of background about you yeah sure um so I would say that I've
1: always been a little bit of an overthinker Um, And I think that's quite a common theme for people who are sort of empaths who are quite sensitive people. Um, But I wouldn't say that that was obviously where things started. When I was um, 16, I fell pregnant with my first son and I can really clearly remember just being curled up on my bed, sobbing, just this overwhelming feeling that I was now responsible for another person. And all I wanted was for everything to just stop. I couldn't imagine having to keep waking up to face another day. I wanted to be somewhere, but I didn't want to be anywhere at the same time. And I couldn't even, I never even tried to explain that to anybody. I just carried it around with me. Oh, that's um, so hard. And it was, it, it was really, really tough, but I motored through it. Um, so... I would say that mentally I am a strong person, but I do struggle. And there are times when you find yourself doing that. So I just carried on on autopilot. When I was 18, I left home with my young family, so a toddler and my boyfriend, and moved 160 miles away from my family and everyone I knew. Wow. Um, It was really, really tough. I never comprehended what it meant at the time. I just did the things that felt like they were the most important. And it was important to me to keep my family together because it was a case of the partner that I was with at the time was going away to university and I couldn't see us being a family unit if he was where he was going and I was staying at home with my mum and dad. It just didn't feel right. So off we went, we packed up our van and we drove to Derby and um, God, it was tough. I did not understand at the time what i was putting myself through so we had no money we were surviving on his student grant we had a two-bedroom really quite dingy little house (laughs) um i was learning all the things all at once i was learning how to survive i was learning how to manage a house i was learning about budgeting i was learning about bills i was learning about shopping everything that i had had a cushion of not having to do when I lived with my mum and dad although I was very responsible um, for my son I didn't have to deal with all of that stuff and it was really really tough I so I used to look forward to people visiting us when they did visit but the situation as it was with my partner at the time he wasn't the best at getting on with people so there was an added stress from that So I'd look forward to and dread visits in equal measure and would find myself questioning everything. Um, It just became a time when I turned to writing more in my diary about remembering what it was like when I was happy. And I don't think I realised what a dark place I was actually in. But I kept going. I just kept going. It's what I've just... I've always had that autopilot feature Um, and just that, you know, kind of get up and get on with it, even through darker times that followed that, which was when, um, so we decided to have another child and during the pregnancy, I had this, so I had a three and a half year old to look after, but I was hormonal. It was a bit of a hormonal car crash. I think that's fair to say. Um, And I, one, I was looking forward to having my baby, but I was also dreading being at home with a small child and a baby again. And um, unfortunately, that journey became darker when my second son then was stillborn at full term. Oh, so he died on the day that he should have been born and was stillborn the following day. And I began a whole new world of difficulty.
0: Yeah. Oh, it really gosh, just continued.
1: Awful. Mm. Yeah. Um again I was very I was I, I faced my grief head on. Um I really did just I knew that if I didn't feel the feelings when they happened, I would pay for it later. So I just let myself go through all the things I had to go through I faced up to people with tiny babies it was hard I mean that Mm. was that sort of thing was really difficult but I made myself do it because I thought I don't want you know I was 20 years old I do not want to spend the rest of my life dreading those situations forevermore Mm. and that was quite difficult but luckily my um younger child who was you know coming up to four years old he he was just awesome he was balanced he was sociable he just carried on and I think that was probably ultimately what got me through it because there were you know many days when I really just didn't want to face the world at all yeah just wanted to stop home and
0: be um and that's such a great age as well isn't it you know they're old enough that they can express themselves and yeah. know what they like and what they don't like, and are excited about the world still. So, and sometimes that can help you bring yourself back to the world, can't it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, he had a he had a way. He definitely had a way. Of, he'd come out with something, and you'd just be <laughs> right there with him, going, "Oh yeah," you know, <laughs> and just reminding you kind of what's important, I think. I think that was the thing. I was lucky to have supportive friends around me, but we were still, as I say, we were still 160 miles away from family. So that made it very difficult. Um, I continued. I I kind of, I've, I've always been one of those people who's probably spent quite a lot of time in my own head. And I don't know how much good it's done me when I've not found ways to express it. And I think that's been the thing for me. So I've always been into my writing and that features um, quite highly in my first book. I use a lot of diary excerpts, real life diary excerpts from things that happened to me. Um, and that I used to find my was my release. Um, because I always used to feel like I could tell my diary anything and it wouldn't answer me back.
0: yeah and so so often we're afraid of telling a real person exactly what's going on in our heads aren't we yeah you know we're ashamed of it or we feel guilty or we're just worried about their reactions and so writing feels like a safe space to express
1: it does it does and also we don't always understand these things ourselves yeah you'll feel or think a thing and think well why why do I feel like that why do I react like that and instead of trying to talk that through with somebody who'll have their own spin on it anyway, um it I I literally used to write, you know, I know you're not going to answer me back. <laughs> <laughs> I'd talk to it like it was a person. I'd go, you know, I'm yeah. not necessarily start with dear diary, but I'd be, you know, yeah. I know I know I can trust you sort of thing. Nobody's ever gonna read this, which was a little bit ironic when I then started using excerpts in my book, but <laughs> <laughs>
0: it helped (laughs) yeah I can imagine I often find that I I don't understand how I'm feeling or why I'm feeling something until I've written it down yeah and just the the practice of writing it out helps me to get that clarity of oh okay now I understand now I know how I can try and help myself or I know what I need to kind of seek out
1: yeah I used to feel it really cleared the fog I could I could feel and I and I know I say this because I have actually used to write that in my book I always feel so much lighter when I've had a chat with you this is what I'd say to my diary <laughs> when I've you know when when I've kind of when you literally brain dump it all out onto a page um, it just takes a different form then and you can pick it apart a little bit and make a bit more sense of things Yeah. so definitely. I was lucky in that I had that because it's always been something that I've done and that's come through interestingly that kind of follows in my family so my gran was very into her writing and she was a big inspiration in my life but she also had a lot of battles with her mental health um so there's quite a history of it in my family and my, and my gran was particularly uh pivotal in that she was very unwell with her she suffered a lot with her mental health oh, and I had wow. a, an awareness of that as well and I think that sort of has always been there I've always known that it's there do you know what I mean
0: a sort of yeah you you sometimes feel the shadow of it don't you and then Mm. but then other times I find it comforting to know that it's not just me yeah it's sort of different depending on on what's going on in your life I think
1: that you're not alone with it
0: yeah absolutely
1: yeah definitely um so yeah so I kind of as I say, I went, went through phases. Um, a lot of the time, it was just kind of like buckle up, buttercup, you know,
0: yeah.
1: best foot forward sort of thing, just keep going. Um, I think things lightened a bit when I had my third son. He was born at the end of 1997. And that was um, almost a new chapter. Then we could start to look forward a bit more with lighter hearts Um but it sort of, there was still a time a bit further down the road when I um, had to be then coming to terms with a lot of things because he was diagnosed with autism when he was five and that led then to a different set of grief-related circumstances coming to terms with the child that he was, not the child that we thought he would be. Yeah. Um, and I had... In 2003, I had what I can only call a minor breakdown in that there was no hospitalisation or anything, but I remember just feeling like I'd lost control. Um I was getting married and it should have been a happy time and I had no... I felt like I had nothing to hold me together. Mm. Um I can still picture myself sitting on my kitchen floor and I did, I, at the time that it happened, I saw myself doing it rather than actually being, feeling like I was there. I felt like I wasn't yeah. really there. Um, and I was shredding all these strips off a newspaper and I just sat there and that was all I was doing. And I I knew I was doing it and I couldn't stop myself and it was really, really scary. Um, and so I went to see a doctor the next day. And I think that's probably one of the only two times I've ever actually resorted to Proper medication um, to help me with the dark place that I was in.
0: Yeah.
1: During the bereavement period, I was always very much no. I'm not having. I'm not having drugs. I don't want anything to to dampen this down. I need to go through it, and I'm not going to feel it if I'm on. You know, and and they don't really advise it unless you've got a, a real, you know, medical problem with depression. When you're going through something else, it's often can be better to. Uh, just experience the emotions and then you know when you're coming out the other side yeah so um, yeah and it just um, the whole of my marriage which ended in uh, 2016 I went through a lot of difficult times the partner that I was with wasn't particularly good at supporting me so I was always the strong one holding everybody together and that took its toll i think yeah, it course. was fair to say i found a lot of ways to cope um and i suppose that's probably why i've always had that additional strength because it's almost like i never had a choice but to keep being strong you know like if two of you struggle one of you has to take the reins a little bit
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely And that's so much weight to carry, isn't it? For any length of time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You
1: know, and and people used to just, I mean, gosh, over the years, so I'm going over almost 30 years since, as I say, this started when I was 16. um, People have always said, I don't know how you did that. I don't know how you do that. I'd just be like, neither do I. I'm just doing it.
0: Yeah,
1: (laughs) That's just how I've always done things
0: and I think that's true of many people who struggle with their mental health or who you know go through many hard seasons you you find this strength within you that you didn't know you had yeah you know nobody could have nobody could have seen it and it just some of it is as you said autopilot you know just putting one foot in front of the other every day and some of it is just sheer bloody mindedness frankly you know <laughs> yeah yeah and it's yeah. and it's incredible what what we can achieve and we often feel i think i often feel that i'm weak because i struggle with my mental health you know i'm broken i'm right. you know unworthy but i'm one of the strongest people i know You know, if if you write it down, I'm incredibly strong and I have all these things I've come through. Exactly. And, you know, we just need to remind ourselves of that and, and celebrate that as well, because that's phenomenal. Yeah,
1: it is. And I think it's the awareness of the battle. I think that's part of the thing. When you're aware that you're going through something and you're still doing it and you're still surviving and you're still putting one foot in front of the other I I think that to me I think that's key because if if you don't understand what you're having to go through then it's easier to stop and not find a way forward that's that's always been my feeling about I've always known I've always found that I will say to myself you're doing so well look at all this stuff you're dealing with and you're fine as soon as I tell myself I'm fine I actually stop being fine it's weird (laughs) it's always happened to me I go you know I'm I'm coping I'm doing brilliantly and then all of a sudden I'll be like I don't feel like I'm coping anymore and 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 I need to stop and and I can't do this and it's it's strange but it's almost like reminding myself how much stuff I'm carrying around yeah um to then just breathe for a minute and go okay you know and it's all right if you're not it's okay if you're not okay and i know that's been you know that has been a a, like strong message hasn't it for some time now with mental health campaigns and things it's okay not to be okay yeah of course it is it's uh you know mental health is a form of your health and um everybody has mental health but not everybody has good mental health
0: yeah exactly and so we've talked a lot about writing and how that's kind of helped you to get through everything that you've been through. Um, yeah. How how does your creativity to support you to stay in balance? So
1: I've always been very creative. I've always um, found creative outlets to be very cathartic and... Um, helped me to escape in some way so whether it be journaling and writing poetry making pretty things um when I left home in 93 um it wasn't very long at all I think it was the autumn of 93 that I started I found a little kit in I think it was the works and I took up jewelry making and it was just a thing to make a few pairs of earrings and I found that really therapeutic
0: yeah um
1: I've always considered my creativity as like a personal therapy that I put myself into. So, you know, I sort of escape. I would sit somewhere else aside from everyone else, go into my little quiet space and, it, making pretty things and making pretty things makes me happy
0: yes. so I always enjoy that.
1: That. <laughs> um, and I actually for a little while I was I was selling jewellery I was selling pairs of earrings and things just to family because they were like oh these are nice and I was like oh do you want to buy them and it was just like a little thing you know it, it made it worth while just I was enjoying it anyway, but I couldn't possibly sit there with all these pairs of earrings with nowhere to go. So. I know,
0: like I've got, I've got a dangerous situation at the moment where I've got a oh. huge stash, oh. <laughs> and, and, and it's, um, it's becoming evident to my husband that I keep buying beads and making pretty things, but they don't yeah. go anywhere. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, I love beads. Beads are great, but know, yeah, they're you, so pretty, you know, and you need so many to make, you know, different things. You just, yeah, I've, exactly. I've. Fine-tuned my stash quite recently, actually. <laughs> it it does take, and 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 I find that with these these creative outlets, they they do kind of take over. They become a little bit like an obsession, but it's like a good. I just think it's a it's good, a healthy,
0: healthy one. yeah it is, absolutely. Correctly.
1: Um, I've also done um quite a lot of calligraphy. Oh so, wow. I did um in 96 97 when when I lost my son I, I used to write a lot as I've said and, and I went through a phase towards the end of the first year I thought it'd be really nice to have some of this sort of documented and I sat and wrote the letters and things that I'd written to my son and the poems I hand wrote them all out and kept them in a lovely little pretty box and it was just something that i oh, got I'd sit and do it for hours um and it just helped me to get out some of what I was holding in I suppose
0: yeah Um, that's a wonderful idea and it's so mindful as well isn't it yeah because you have to concentrate so hard on what your hands are doing yeah that your brain sort of clears a bit
1: yeah definitely um I do write a lot of poetry um I've written um I've lost count of how many poems I've written over (laughs) the years again that's something that comes through from my grand. she was very poetic um and when I'm really in the flow, I can just write a poem in about five minutes and yeah. I'll look back at it and go, it's done. And there's and there's no sort of, you know, oh, I need to change that line or that word. It's just there, it's arrived and it's on the page in front of me. It's my amazing. I just, I love that. That's fabulous. Um, so I also had my own business creating pretty things for quite some time um, until the beginning of this year, actually. I started off with, I was making candles I don't know if you've ever done that that's quite a good yeah um, that's fun too isn't it I do like doing that um I did the jewelry I made a lot of cards I made hair decorations so I started off my business doing that and then it evolved into a wedding stationery business which I had for a few years um and it was actually at the beginning of lockdown that I decided it was time to change direction and that's why as I say the the coaching and things that I'm talking about at the moment that's why they're in the very very early stages because I've only just found the time to try and get everything where I want it to be um but yes I um made some beautiful wedding invitations and stationery for people's weddings um including um my own so uh, the last set of invitations that we actually sent out were for our wedding which was planned for November but unfortunately we've postponed Um, but yeah so and that it, there was quite a good balance of running a business that makes money doing something that you really really enjoy
0: yeah that's um, a great balance to achieve isn't it, it Fantastic. Was fab.
1: yeah I used to say you know I, I get paid to go into therapy <laughs> <laughs> <I> <laughs> that's what that. it felt like and then the other thing that um we've both been doing quite a lot of actually during um this period of time is we've been doing a lot of those grown-up coloring books
0: oh yes
1: yeah. I love those and I've got like pretty pictures and mindful messages and my fiance has got swear words
0: oh I really want a swear words one I think that would make me really happy
1: they're brilliant <laughs> they're absolutely brilliant he'll, he'll open it up and go what word do we feel like today <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's Great so one. good just I think brilliant. I could channel my feelings for the day into one swear word I love oh, it God, definitely
1: <laughs> and then you can just shut the book and step away and go no it's okay I've vented now it's good <laughs> but then I find I get a little bit carried away with buying coloring pens <gasps>
0: yes I'm a bit of a stationary fiend as it is oh I my goodness
1: <laughs> crazy I, I literally find myself now walking around shops going I don't need any notebooks I don't need any notebooks <laughs> don't need pens I don't need you know pretty mindful notes
0: <laughs> I know but they're all so beautiful and yeah, they just, and just make me, me happy <laughs> yeah
1: it makes me feel happy buying them and then they go in a drawer with all the other bits that I've not got around to using yet I found a fantastic um Lovely A4 notebook that I bought, I don't know, about three months ago. Just completely untouched. Haven't found a purpose
0: for it yet. <laughs> its purpose will make itself clear when it's the right it time will. to use it. That's absolutely my view. <laughs> and this is my other thing as well.
1: I always think, you know, oh, I've got a new project. Oh, I've got a new book I can use it for. It's fine. <laughs> it's, it's, it's waiting, ready for the time. And absolutely. that's it. And it's one of those, it's got one of those quotes, something like... Um, she thought she could, so she did, or
0: something like that. Yeah. Oh. I, do, I do love those. So, I love yes, that. It's... it's one of my favourite quotes. I leave my daughter a a, a a picture in a picture frame with um like a button rainbow with, oh, she yes. believed she could, so she did, Absolutely. underneath. Because Brilliant. it just, I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's really empowering. Absolutely. and And that's it, I think. One of the other... People I have spoken to on the podcast talked about control and and being able to have control over things, so you might feel like something's completely impossible, but if you 've got tiny element of control, then it's mm. just difficult and yeah. and you can just take a step and then take yeah. the next step and yeah, I love that kind of empowered feeling to help me take that first step, and that 's what I get from pretty things and and lovely quotes or little poems and affirmations that I use a lot yeah
1: yeah Yeah. and it is always you know if you look at the big picture god that looks really quite scary but if you just look at the next thing that you need to do that's just so much easier absolutely
0: Absolutely. and makes it totally
1: achievable and also the, the key thing with anything is it doesn't matter if you get it wrong there is no right or wrong anyway but the, you know that's how you learn stuff so yeah. you do something and you might learn something from it and not put it to any use at all that doesn't matter really
0: yeah absolutely and and that's that's the joy I think of crafts and and having those creative pursuits because you know you spend a lot of time learning and making mistakes and learning yeah. new techniques or, or developing your skills and and that's the more you do that and the more you kind of trial and error and make a mistake and fix it and learn how to fix it it helps you to kind of relate that into your everyday life doesn't it absolutely I mean a a good example of this for me is I spent years learning a lot of things about
1: systems and social media and automation and various different things and then as I said at the beginning of lockdown I closed my business and it was a bit like well I've I could look at it that I've wasted loads of money learning things for something I'm now not doing and now I can apply them to other things. And then in a heartbeat, almost my fiance decided to set up a brand new business, a handyman business, which was something that he'd been thinking about for a long time. And he started it up in June and I am admin queen for his business. (laughs) I do everything and it's going so well. It's almost like that's what it was all about. It was about something, creating something different and, yeah you know it's just been amazing because you're just like without all those things I'd learned we'd
0: be going oh
1: where are we going to get our next customer from
0: (laughs) yeah and isn't it wonderful how the universe just aligns perfectly when things like this happen
1: it's brilliant absolutely brilliant it really is yeah it's
0: great so I'm sure we've covered a bit of this sort of question in what we've already been talking about but can you tell us a bit about how your personal journey has impacted your lifestyle
1: yeah definitely so it's interesting because I started off sort of thinking about the questions for this. And I was a bit like, do you know, I feel a little bit like because I've never been in and out of hospital with my mental health and had loads of medication and everything. I feel like I wouldn't say a fraud, but I feel like I'm not as much of an authority as somebody else. And that I know is absolute nonsense because everybody has their own journey Yes, absolutely. You're an expert in your story. Yeah. Um, So although I've mainly stayed on the right side of having to use medication and various other things, there's been a lot of times where I've kind of shied away from stuff. I've held back from getting involved with stuff. I've found myself not wanting to, you know, I'm not as good anyway in big social groups. I like smaller, more intimate Um, things but there's been a lot of times where I've just thought I don't want to sit with all these people talking about all their things because I don't want to talk about how I'm feeling or anything and it's kept me um, small probably but in a way that has obviously kept me going so um, because I think a lot about things I know that that doesn't really help me and when you're in those kind of larger um, group outing, shall we say? You know, the things you used to be allowed yeah. to do before lockdown. <laughs> um, it, I would find myself when people would be sat talking, I would just be sat there thinking to myself. <laughs> and I would think myself into a really uncomfortable place.
0: Oh, I totally know exactly I'd, what you're talking about. I do this. Okay
1: there. <laughs> it's bizarre, but it, I found myself doing that. So it's something that it's made me more aware that there are times when committing to doing something isn't the most important thing. And I've learned to say, no, I've learned about healthy boundaries to be able to maintain the balance that suits each individual because everybody's different. And it's always been about, as I've said, the theme in my first book was it's always been about choices and every thing that I've done is been about making choices that helped me to feel like I was in control. Even if I didn't really feel like I was in control, I knew that just by making one decision about going to a thing, enjoying something, mixing with people that I perhaps didn't really want to spend time with, to be quite honest, I found myself um, walking away from friendships that I knew weren't benefiting me in that way. Um, It's been important to recognise that, um, you know some of these friendships that we have are are there to serve a purpose and then they've served a time and then it's okay to let them go. And I've, I've done quite a lot of that. Um, The writing has really helped me with that because um, it's always been, I, as a communicator, I feel I communicate best on paper or uh, well, yeah, in, in the written word. So face to face I can have a conversation with somebody but I might have a bunch of stuff that I really wanted to say to them that I would find easier to write down and send yeah Um, and I think that that is that probably explains why I'm not so good in those bigger gatherings because I just find them too noisy they're they're like you know too much going on
0: yeah, absolutely. I, I often feel in those situations, I just would like everyone to stop and be quiet for a minute so that I could yeah. gather my thoughts and have something to say.
1: <laughs> and often it feels as though they're talking for the sake of talking as well. And and, and you just, I'd, I'd find myself analysing these conversations. I'd be like, Cause I'm a bit of a people watcher. But I'd find myself analysing all these conversations and thinking, why are they sitting talking about the sizes of their kids' feet or what,
0: you know. <laughs> you're and talking just, a lot, but you're not saying anything. Yeah. yeah, and it used to really
1: bug me. So now I tend to just not do so many of those things anyway. <laughs> I, I sort of, I hold back and I know the people I can go to to have the conversations that I want to have or that, you know, that matter. Not It's not about what I want to talk about. It's, I don't know, I just, I can't just come out with a bunch of words for the sake of having something to say. I don't do that. It's not me. I'd rather just say nothing.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And and that's the great thing I think about kind of when, when we go through hard stuff and we get to know ourselves better, um, we're less, I guess we're less committed to living a life that other people think we should be living. And we yes. learn to set our own boundaries and yes. what works for us and when to say no and when to say yes um, yeah. and that feels really liberating, doesn't it? It it does, and I think it takes a long time to hone that as well. Yeah.
1: To let go of the perhaps guilt that you might be feeling over not doing what somebody said they wanted to do with you or thought would be a really good idea for you, or, you know, suggestions that people have. That's something that um I cover a little bit in the next thing that we wanted to talk about. Um it's just so important to remember that just because somebody else thinks something's right for you, that doesn't mean it is.
0: Absolutely. Well, that leads us nicely then into the final question (laughs) that I ask everybody. Do you have a change one thing for us?
1: Yeah. For me, it would be something that's important to remember rather than change. It's just something that it's always worth remembering. Not everyone walks the same path. So what might be right for an outsider or somebody who doesn't understand you or your struggles or your journey, just because it's right for them doesn't mean it's right for you. It's okay not to do or act on everything that's suggested by everyone else. Whether it's about your health or other areas of your life, which in turn eventually will impact on your health, If someone says to you, you should try this, it worked for me. You don't need to feel bad in any way if you don't do anything. If you do try it and it doesn't work, that doesn't mean it's a failure. You've tried, you'll have learned something and it will have moved you forward in some way, but you might not realize that at the time. Everybody means well, but they're not in your shoes. And then the only thing I would say about that is, You should be kind to yourself about that because it doesn't mean you should question decisions you make or judge yourself for them because they're your decisions. Sometimes you might struggle to make decisions that feel like the right ones, and that's okay. Take your time because, you know, we all owe ourselves that. If you're struggling, you should speak to someone. Speak up about how you're feeling and don't try to cover it up. There's nothing shameful in a struggle with something that other people take for granted.
0: I love that. What great advice. Walk your own path. Definitely. Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much, Jacqueline. It's been wonderful to speak to you today. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Really, really good. Great to talk. (laughs) Thank you. Fabulous. Thank you so much for listening today. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast to get the next episode as soon as it's ready and to help other people find us. See you next time.